With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. It is April 14th, and it is bright and early at the time of we're recording this. It's 6.30 a.m. Eastern time. We're working early to accommodate my good friend, Jerry. We've got a lot of fun Mets baseball to talk about, so I don't mind being up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate you getting on really early. Uh, I got a flight to catch. And I've got kids to feed at the same time. So I'll be heading out to the home opener, doing some pre and post game stuff. Um, should be fun. Well, I'll be out at the rotunda outside the Jackie Robinson rotunda. If you hear this before the game, come say hello while we're on set. Hey, should guys, you absolutely should. I will be there Sunday with some fellow Jumbo Media employees. I'll probably uh, tweet out where I'll be sitting if you want to say hey as well. Had some awesome people that I got to meet up with in D.C. But the Mets just had uh, finished their road trip in Philly, and they had a very explosive series with the Phillies. Probably going to be this way for the entire year. They play the Phillies 10 more times before Memorial Day weekend between April and May, so get used to these kinds of games because <laughs> most of them were just absolute heart-throbbing, stressful, intense games, which is the kind of stuff, I guess, that you want to see out of an NL East rivalry, but still, it's going to take some getting used to, I think. Well, I mean, anytime the Mets play, there's a little bit of a heartthrob right there. Is that what you meant? Like, Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe heart-pounding. Yeah, man, this is this could get heated too because anytime you play a team that many times that's you know a division rival that close together, like you start to see people regularly. This start they start to eat at you, somebody that you don't like over the course of a year. Now you compact that in, uh, especially with the way the Mets have been getting plunked. I mean, how many is that now? 11, 10? I think it was like five more in this series. And we had three wild, yesterday. Man. Wild. Yeah, wild. So, um, you know, things could get could get intense because both teams are trying to contend. Um, should be fun. Yeah, I mean, we're going to give you recaps on all the beef, all the hit by pitches and all the games. But first, we got to tell you about today's sponsor. One of my favorites that we've had on Shea Station so far, and that's Trade Coffee. They're a brand that can send you uh, different kinds of local New York coffee brand coffee bags. I have Revelator right here, and it's got a house blend of dark cocoa and praline, which I love. Praline is a really underrated nut, in my opinion. <laughs> Just going to say it right out. Right. Uh, Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns like New York. And Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade Coffee's team actually tests, taste, uh, taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. I like that line, human-powered algorithm. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback, and a coffee expert will work with you to send a new bag for free. 
If yeah. this sounds too Go ahead, cool. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I thought you were done with the app. Nah, man. Don't Just worry. a hard swallow. I'm in the mode, you know? <laughs> so, guys, if this sounds interesting to you, you should definitely uh, check out their website at drinktrade.com. And if you add a slash Shea to the end of that, S-H-E-A, you can get $30 off your first order and free shipping. This is like a monthly subscription service. They supply you with some great coffee. And if you feel like you kind of need a break from what you've been drinking a lot. I highly recommend this service. They've been really good to us. They sent us, I think like four bags each and pretty much every bag has been really awesome. So once again, drinktrade.com slash Shea, $30 off and free shipping. Not a bad deal. All right, Jerry, I think it's time to talk about this Mets Philly series. What do you think? I'm in. Let's uh, let's, let's hop right in. I, I do want to say for trade coffee, I enjoy it. You get to like queue up your favorite bags. You can look ahead I actually used it to try things that were a little out of my comfort zone um, because I'm more of a deep roast espresso style, just straight black coffee. And I looked at some of their higher rated, like sweeter, lighter coffees. Um, they were good. Again, not my favorite, but I went back to to kind of my my tried and true. Um, but it was nice to like get the descriptions. Anyway, let's get into that Philly series. Absolutely, man. All right. So game one was one that uh, was an interesting watch. I guess that's the, a good way to start it off there. The Mets would lose this game five to four. They punched three early runs off some Alec Bohm errors, which sort of became a storyline for Philadelphia. We'll dive into that a little bit later. Taiwan Walker looked excellent in his start. His sinker was really working. He went six up, six down versus a very good Phillies lineup. He struck out four, but then he left the game early and he hit the IL. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Later, David Peterson came in in relief of him and was absolutely fantastic. Four shutout innings. He struck out Kyle Schorber twice, Bryce Harper once, but then the game was passed off to the bullpen in the seventh inning and things went a little awry. Trevor May gave up a run. He left with an injury after starting the second inning. The Buck has been doing this a lot with the relievers early in the season. Joely Rodriguez had to face off against JT Realmuto. It did not go well, a two-run homer there, but he did retire both the lefties that he faced. The Phillies put up five runs in the eighth inning to upset the Mets. Brad Hand came in to get the save and twist the knife on us. And Brandon Nimmo was the only Mets hitter with multiple hits. It was a tough game, one loss, but it really was the way that the Mets responded to this loss. That sort of is what I'll remember about this series, I think. Yeah, man, this was a very impactful first game of the series. You know, we Taiwan Walker went down. Trevor May went down. Um then seeing the the bullpen implosion was really tough and then you you did the the full like seeing i don't know why but seeing brad hand look like brad hand versus the version it was just annoying it was just annoying that's all it was was, i'm happy for him but it was just annoying yeah i'm happy for him too but at the same time it's like man where were you last year (laughs) but uh you know we got our first preview of what familia looks like in a phillies uniform um didn't get to you know he just it just looks so strange on tv that the broadcast covered it a little bit yeah um gary really can't get over it which i found funny like every single time he sees it he makes a comment like it just doesn't look right <laughs> i actually was like oh it doesn't look that bad no it looks pretty good um, honestly though, though for game one we we got all over their starter we got all over ranger suarez um I thought that was very important. We came out kind of swinging, which is good, Yeah, you know, uh, against a lefty as well, which we haven't tended to hit 
in the past. So that was especially last year. That was a tough thing for us. And it was kind of every Philly starter that we got on, which I was really impressed with. Yep. And then we got an amazing, you know, we're, we'll talk about the preview uh, Peterson coming out of the bullpen, you know, cold looked really good through his four innings. They only gave up three hits. Trevor may got asked to go back out. I don't, I'm not sure. This is the one thing with Buck right now, especially early in the year. I'm not sure that the, the extra up and downs that, that you're giving these bullpen guys are a good idea. I think it might be like a three batter rule thing that he's getting used to. Cause remember Buck hasn't managed a bullpen since I think 2018 before the rule was installed, but still it's a lot. Think so. to, yeah. yeah. The three batter rule, you know, once he, he understands once the, the innings over, he doesn't have to bring him back out. Like that's not a thing I, I, I promise you, but. I think, you know, you get a little smack on the wrist because you've got, you know, Trevor May a little banged up. It was he was obviously banged up coming in. Um, you could see it in the first series, but um, hopefully he bounces back really quick. Um, I know what he's going through. I had that in college. Like, it's just not comfortable. So it, it looked honestly, it looked very bad on TV. And I was pleasantly surprised to hear that he was OK after. I was very, very worried when I saw it's his like reaction. A, it's like a shooting pain. Yeah, it's like one of those like most injuries in baseball are like these nagging just kind of building up pain throughout the whole process. But what he's dealing with, especially with the tricep side, if from my memory is when you would hit to that certain point, you would feel fine and then get to that like extension. And then all of a sudden it's just like this sharp pain. So there's like an instant reaction. Ah. He's okay. So yeah, that's what Mets fans want to Our first game, it was, you know, a rough start because this one hurt. You know, we had a chance to, we had a chance to sweep the Nats and didn't and then we had a chance to jump on this first game and blew it and so this one felt this one felt pretty heavy if i may say so oh yeah and it's you know it's early in the season but like every game counts and when you should be five and no it sucks to be three and two but game two was a really fun and stressful game to watch I will yeah say game that. two we saw the tyler mcgill uh, start number two against Zach Wheeler start number one you know this was a heavy hitter uh, Tyler McGill coming out wonderful with five and a third gave up only three hits five Ks. he still has yet to walk a batter um, he had a big strike out of Harper uh, Real Muto and Reese Hoskins um, the Mets only record three hits the whole whole game but Brandon Nimmo came out popping um, this is how it always happens they have a, a guy in the bullpen ready to go with this plan. The, the Wheeler's last inning, his first two guys got out on the first pitch, and they're like, oh, let's let him finish the inning, maybe set him up for a win. But instead, you know, Nimmo looked great and popped a home run on a, on a good swing, a nice nice pitch, uh, and jumped us, got us on board. Um, Drew Smith came in, had an unbelievable outing, went multiple again, that one and two thirds, zero runs, three big Ks, just looking fantastic. Yeah. And then we got to see Edwin Diaz, you know, post his, his grandfather passing, post bereavement list, came out, uh, it strikes out the side, works around two little infield hits, but he looked dominant, had that slider going, had that fastball dotting up, looked great. So it was a big win, good bounce back. Honestly, like after the bullpen implosion, that was the biggest takeaway from the game for me. Drew Smith looked so good. Drew Smith was attacking guys. He was not afraid to throw his fastball. He got, you know, he had the meat of the Phillies lineup and he had to go five batters deep and nobody was touching him. And then Edwin Diaz, as always, uh, 
caught some tough luck with two separate infield hits when he induced some soft contact, still struck out three guys in the process to get the save. This was a great performance by the pitching staff to pick up the Mets offense, which really didn't come through kind of in game one and game two, both times when they got to the Phillies bullpen, they did not capitalize at all. Um, They were really only scoring off Philly starters in these first two games, but Tyler McGill looked awesome. His changeup is absolutely lethal. I'm so excited to see what else he does this season, but if you're not on the McGill train yet, I feel like five plus shutout innings at Citizens Bank Park against this Phillies lineup should kind of start selling you a little bit. Yeah, especially after that, you know, such a high of a first opening day start. And then you kind of you get a little bit of hangover, you know, but we didn't, man. He looked the part again. They the big thing on the broadcast, you know, his first start, I think between the pre and post game and then listening to all the, the description of him, they say he has like a a low heartbeat The Tyler McGill doesn't get too, too high or too low. He just is this steady presence. And you can see it in his post-game interviews. He's very, very calm, a very steady presence. And that translates to the mound. He gets intense and you can see him emotionally, but for the most part, it's steady, man. You don't have to worry about him a moment being too big. You don't have to worry about him having something to let down because he's not one of these pitchers you know, he's not a Liam Hendricks that needs to be, you know, uh, a 10 out of 10 in anger to succeed and to have that fire. The dude is just ready to play. And and I love seeing it. And I was super impressed in game one. This one was like, you know, ready for a little bit of a lull, but he didn't, man. He looked sharp. He looked the part. He's filling up the zone. And it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, Gary pointed out a really interesting thing on the broadcast, which I actually kind of didn't notice myself. Uh, Miguel was actually worried last year that he was tipping his pitches with his longer windup. So if you guys have watched either of his starts this year, he's almost always sort of like Cookie Carrasco, just pitching from the stretch. He gets his sign, almost just swings his leg and instantly goes after the hitter. I kind of love it. I think it's kind of perfect for Tyler Miguel because like you said, he has like this very like calm killer mentality and like that's really I don't know I just find it comforting from starting pitcher if he were a killer if Tyler McGill were uh, a killer he would be the Mike Myers steady walk mm. you don't see him sprinting around with a chainsaw he's, he's no Freddy like Krueger guy that just shows up and the next thing you know he's like right on your tail yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> I think that's and he's and he's a big boy so that that I'm gonna need out. to make that photoshop I think Oh, that would be good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man, just just really, really impressed. Um, There was a a moment of him. They talked about it, I think, maybe later in the game of of watching um, Bassett and the guys around him watching one of the iPads and breaking some stuff down. And that just shows you how much you learn from each other and and being able to, to talk pitching. This kid, he's got sky is the limit we've seen the stuff we've seen the demeanor he's really capable of being a front-end starter like you know we talked about between between him and drew smith we talked about how good these guys are and they're making us look like geniuses which is wonderful but they truly have these these high you know really really high ceilings and they're they're showing out man and i'm excited it is so nice to talk about 
two guys potential for months and months and months, and then have them ball out in the same game against your rival. There's just something so sweet about it. Uh, but the Mets steadied their momentum into a big uh, game three with Max Scherzer on the bump. We talked last episode about how good Max Scherzer has been versus Philadelphia, especially in 2021. He did labor in the start, though. The first inning definitely had us on the edge of our seats. He walked the bases loaded with one out, ultimately was able to get back-to-back Ks and escape the jam. Overall, it was kind of a laborious start, but he's Max Scherzer, so he found a way. Five innings pitched, one earned run, five hits, three walks, seven strikeouts. Kind of a normal thing for Max against Philly. And, like, you know, we haven't seen, like, prime Max yet, but it's definitely encouraging that his velocity was up, I think, the stat was that he only had three pitches of 96 plus in his first start. And then this start, it was over 20. So that's good. He's sort of ramping back up. He said the hamstring wasn't as much of an issue anymore. So that's a good sign as well. Brandon Nimmo hit another home run against another great pitcher. So that was awesome. He's the Mets home run leader right now with two. And the Mets jumped out to a commanding eight to one lead with a huge Pete Alonso three run homer. He had a game in game three. Dom Smith finally got a start, but he went over three with three strikeouts. And the bullpen, once again, looked a little bit shaky against the Phillies, allowed them to climb back into the game off Joely and Sean Reed Foley. They both have ERAs over 10 to start the season. Not a great sign. What was a great sign was Seth Lugo coming out for a one, two, three, eighth to really just quell the rally. Got Reese Hoskins out on the pinch hit, got Alec Bohm out, huge outs to get. Edwin Diaz came in from the ninth, gave up a home run to Bryce Harper, which kind of was reminiscent of the Stallings home run, just kind of like a looping fly ball that just found a corner. But overall, locked down the ninth. Mets win this one 96. They take the series after an absolutely crushing game one loss. And I think that tells you a lot about this 2022 Mets team and their resilience. Yeah, they bounced back and beat the two best pitchers that they have. Phillies, you know, Wheeler is going to be a Cy Young contender again. He looked great. Um, and Nola, you know, had he still has that that great curveball. Um, I still think he's got more in the tank, um, especially facing teams that really matter, like the Mets. I think he's going to gonna come after it. Really impressed. Again, Seth Lugo bounced back right there, um, came out firing looked really good in that that last game um Nimmo with the huge home run a couple of walks I've been you know really impressed with with Eddie Escobar we're going to talk about him as a whole I want to talk about Eddie Escobar for yeah sure. but he hasn't been like hitting a so lot quiet so quiet yeah but his OPS is over a thousand like crazy. he's walking like he's doing the things that he needs to do that's what a that that veteran presence of a guy that just knows season long it's going to be fine. He's taking in his, his at bats one at a time, not letting like his his lack of actually hits and and power hits get in his way. He's just doing his thing, man. It's it's awesome to watch. I think he's gonna it's gonna balance out, of course, because he's gonna start raking. Um, but but I've been really impressed with him. Yeah, he's just like doing what he does, man. He only has five hits this season, but four of them are for extra bases already. Three doubles and a triple. And then he wa- he's walked eight times already this season. Um, so his OBP is 481. He's just kind of quietly been setting the Mets up every single time he comes up to bat. And I, when I saw his OPS, I also could not believe it was above one. Really impressive stuff there. Uh, in the series, Alonzo and Nimmo both get four hits. They both club a home run. Nimmo gets two. How about Pete Alonso with six RBIs in the series? That's the kind of thing that we're probably used to seeing from him since he is the table clearer of the lineup. 
Big thing that I saw um, that I was really impressed with on Pete's end, all three of his game three hits, which were two doubles and a home run, all of them came with two strikes. So Pete Alonso is never out of the count, especially when he's down. Really like to see that. And then, of course, Tyler McGill, five and a third innings, shut out. He's not allowed a run or a walk in either of his two starts on the season. All very good things. But I think that uh, we should we should talk a little bit about the bullpen management. I want to talk about Scherzer real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to cover his, his second start. Still not 100%. But this is what you get when you get a guy of this talent. You get five innings of one run. Yeah. Like he he's still searching for some things. His fastball looked better. His obviously his control. He walked the bases loaded in the first. Uh, it's coming around and he's still incredible against a great lineup. He still kind of carved him up. It's wild how good he is and how good he's going to be. Um, but this he, his first two starts. This is what the Mets fans are seeing are him not at his best but still pulling off miraculous things, just not doing it with the, the elite dominance that it, that we've been used to seeing. Um, he just knows how to pitch too. So that's actually a positive sign for me because you get a guy in a situation where he doesn't have his best or he's, he's trying to figure something out. The guy is creative uh, and can get outs no matter what he's got on the mound uh, awesome. I, I was very excited to see even, even in struggling you know, not at his best. It's nice to see a guy just dominate with, with his B game, maybe even C game. Did you see, um, he only allowed one run. It was a Bryson Stott RBI single. Did you see his reaction to giving up that single when it just soared above Lindor's head? I don't no, know if you caught that. Oh my I didn't God. Catch that. I need you. I'm going to send you the tweet because it's absolutely hilarious, but he does like a jump in the air, but like his arms seize so they don't move. And he just looks like a dolphin, like straight up looks like a dolphin, but he's like an angry dolphin. So he just looks so good. That was like, it's probably my favorite Scherzer Mets moment so far. But like, yeah, like uh, he didn't have his best stuff. I'd argue it was like a C plus B minus kind of game. The Vila was back, but his command wasn't there early on, but he just labored, man. 38-year-old Max Scherzer. At the highest level, he doesn't want to give any bit of, you know, um, runs up hits up ever so it's fun to watch him battle it's very cool to see a starter take an april start like it's an october start and i feel like that's something i want to see all season from him um so mets starters man they've they're the best in baseball right now the mets rotation is currently 32 innings 1.29 era over their seven game road trip that's the best in mlb and that's without jacob Degrom. that is an awesome stat and it makes me really excited for when we get him back eventually yeah, man, they've looked great. Bassett looked incredible in his one start. McGill's been, you know, lights out in two. Scherzer's done great in two. Um, Taiwan looked really good, too. So that's a plus. You know, he's got some bursitis, which is just painful in your shoulder, and that's getting rest, and we're going to miss him for a while. But Peterson looked really good out of the bullpen. Um, we'll see, because teams will start to shape up against him from the left. You know, they're ready for a right-hander. Um, no prep, you know, whatever the case may be. I think Peterson's a really good pitcher. Um, he's got a good chance. I mean, guys, they look really good. Yeah. Um, Cookie looked really good to give up that first inning home run. Uh, I want to talk about the Edwin Diaz home run. And in the last save, you, you tweeted out something that I thought was hilarious. And that is that's Harper's home run, which it was a fastball that he got beat on and he put the barrel on and yep. it just good piece of hitting. out. Good piece of hitting, but it had an expected uh, batting average of 126 
and he hit a home run shit's hilarious that's hilarious it's just like an edwin diaz thing because he pumps 100 and sometimes he just goes after guys in the zone and they just get enough on it man the ball just fucking goes so it happens (laughs) to edwin a lot but it's always funny it does happen to edwin luckily we were up a few runs so that one really didn't matter luckily it wasn't a grand slam this time that's awesome all right so i i do think we should turn it over to the bullpen management obviously this is your area of expertise It did raise some points of concern for me in last series. And then in game one, it was very apparent that um, I think things could have been done at least a little bit better. But the usage of Joel Rodriguez, I think, was the big takeaway here. He had a rough series, completed just one inning, four run runs, two hits, two walks, two Ks. It kind of like Mets fans are sort of comparing him to Miguel Castro a lot right now. I don't think that's fair because we got him for different reasons, but Buck's implementation of him has not been my favorite so far. He's gotten his lefties, but it's been tough. Yeah, I think Buck is trying to figure out what he has exactly in Joely because he's a new piece and he's got great peripherals. Like his numbers shouldn't be all lefty dominant like they have been. It could be an approach thing. It could be what they're working on because he's going to have to get some righties out. Yeah. Um, So he'll concentrate, obviously, on the lefties. That'll be the reason he comes in, which he's gotten him out. But he has to be able to either pitch around these righties effectively or be able to get both both of them out at that high clip because his stuff plays up. A little bit worried about him. Uh, Comparing him to Miguel Miguel Castro, I think, is fair. Um, It was a straight-up trade. You know what I mean? It's not exactly – it was a, you know, trying to fill out your your roster – uh kind of a move too um but that's a fair a fair move um sean reed foley did not look great no he did not no so he came out a little bit shaky um dom didn't look great oh we'll talk about deployment of the the bullpen it was the it was the i think they're he's asking him a little too much in game seven of the season man yeah like a lot of guys starting to ends. i'm not a big fan i think that that will somebody should get into his ear and be like hey let's back it down a little bit let's not have him go back out they did their job there's a little bit of a letdown um when you go back out it's hard to you know it's just different you're, you're doing your job and then you feel like you're done and you did your job and then all of a sudden you're asked to go back out like it worked with uh drew smith Drew Smith had an awesome outing. He got five outs. I don't even want Drew to do it yet. I don't want Drew. I was going to say the same thing. I, he It worried me a lot. Drew looked great, and that's awesome for us because we're big Drew fans. He's a friend of the pod, as most of you know, but I don't want him getting hurt. He's only thrown 40 innings in a season, and he's just not a five-out guy in my mind. He's not, He never has been. He's like a lockdown, the seventh, lockdown, the eighth kind of guy. And, uh, you know, Joe Ellie had to start a second inning. Trevor May had to start a second inning. Like, a lot of guys were doing this, and – most of them didn't look good, just straight up. Again, it might be, it might be, this is what we're asking, but especially in this month where you have the expanded rosters, you do not need to do it. I would like that to, to kind of stop um, and allow some, some other guys to come in and start a clean inning. Um, apart from that, let's, what, what do you think about? Mets hitters. Yeah, let's, let's well, talk. I want to talk about oh, the, the Schwarber went over 12 oh, with one big. walk, seven punches. Huge. So, so big. I mean, Schwarber killed us last year. Historically. Absolutely destroyed us. Has always done that in his career. Mets pitchers did, especially, you know, we just ragged on him a little bit. Joey Rodriguez got him out twice. Uh, Tyler McGill got him out twice. Like all the Mets pitchers really came together and just silenced 
this beast at the top of the Phillies lineup. Because when you watch these games, like he looks good too. Like yeah. his swing was on. He was he was fouling off good balls. He just got beat. You know, it happens. It was great. Like he is a strikeout candidate. Don't get me wrong, but like when Schwarber connects, it's usually going to go for a hit. I'd say when he makes he fought, he fought, man. He was. It's not like he was in a slump. He was kind of locked in. He looks he looks dangerous, and and we got him out. You know, zero for twelve. That's great. And when you have this beast of a Phillies lineup that just doesn't let up ever, like it goes one through eight, and it's just constant stress. Getting that guy out every single time you know, just increases your winning percentage every time it happens. So 0 for 12, no rally starters, no home runs from Kyle Schwarber. That was huge. Um, but some of the hot Mets bats from the Washington series went a little cold. Obviously, some other guys picked them up, but Mark Canna and Jeff McNeil came back down to earth a little bit. Obviously, I think we we probably expected that a little bit, but um, definitely, you know, kind of, kind of a bummer because I was like getting a little hype for McNeil, especially. Uh, I'm still hyped for McNeil. I think you know, that's a, I think he still looks pretty good. He was putting the ball in play. Um, not getting frustrated either, which is good. Yeah, not getting frustrated. He, he, he kind of, you know, you can't stay that hot forever. Um, and you can't always get the breaks, especially when you're doing the weak contact and being able to like trying to slap the ball the other way. Like it just doesn't work unless your name's Ichiro. You can't get away with doing that for a whole career. But what he does is put pressure on the defense. Um he looked solid, you know, and Mark Canna was batting like 850 or something crazy. <laughs> so he can't, you can't keep that up. Yeah. Canna went uh, seven for 10 in the Washington series, two ribeyes, uh, three walks. This series, he goes one for 10, strikes out four times, still grabs a ribby and a walk. McNeil, similar story, was seven for 16 in the Washington series, played all four games, hit a home run, three RBIs, two walks. This Philly series, one for nine, RBI, a walk, four Ks. So these guys, who are our seven and eight hitters and really stretched out the bottom of the lineup. They came back down to earth a little bit. Obviously guys like Pete Alonso and Brendan Nimmo returned to form and really picked up the offense a little bit, but I am, I'm worried for our friend Dom Smith. Uh, he only got two starts this entire season so far, one for 11, eight strikeouts so far in just those 11 at bats. Um, it's been rough. It's been a tough look for him. Uh, I think he was a little frustrated after yesterday's game, tweeted something that he deleted after. I think he just needs to get in the swing of things a little bit, um, hopefully get some starts under his belt. But uh, definitely uh, frustrating to see. Yeah, man. I think we all feel it a lot more because we're all rooting for him. Yeah. You know, we want him to succeed, so we feel it heavier every time he punches out. It feels a little bit worse for us, too, and so it's magnified. Um yeah, I love Dom. I want to see him get out there. He was the only guy that didn't get a start until the last game. Like that's yeah. I mean, it took him a while. Um, he had some rough at bats. He got carved up, but again, that's just a comfortability of not being in there. And and you know, like I personally thought he probably should have gotten into the game against Wheeler. He has good numbers against Wheeler. I think he was like eight for twenty. Cano got that start. He went over four. Um, obviously we we've been hard on Cano. He had a good last series. He did not look good this series. James McCann, kind of a similar story. One for 12 RBI stole a base this season. Big which stolen is base cool. though. Big Huge stolen, stolen base. base. That almost, you know, was a game saver in game one. Obviously that didn't come to fruition, but he did you know, his, like did his part there. Yeah. I, I just, I keep seeing these Francisco Alvarez highlights in double a, and he's just, killing the ball sending it 450 feet man i don't i don't want to mess the kid up but 
Every yeah, day he's not that coming goes up by. right now, no. especially with how good the pitching staff has looked. And a lot of that is familiarity. He's not ready to, to catch. He's not ready to catch the big league rotation yet. Even though he looks great offensively, it's still not big league hitting. Right. Uh, or big league pitching. And he's not ready for this staff. So he's he's got a lot to learn. But James McCann going one for 12 is pretty rough. Um, Nito hasn't looked amazing, but we don't expect Nito to look like amazing at the plate. Um, as long as you, you help this pitching staff put up good numbers, um, anything we get from you is a bonus. Obviously, James McCann, we wanted offensive production with the, with the contract. That was what we were kind of expecting. Um, and we haven't seen it yet. Hey, he's still got it in there. He's made some adjustments. Um, he hasn't punched out a bunch. Yeah, that is encouraging, I will say. He's putting the ball in play. He's one for 12, only two strikeouts, um, and he's faced some really good pitching. So um, there's still there's still some upside there. Yeah. So, I mean, the Mets offense is getting it done for the most part so far in these first seven games. Seven for 22 with runners in scoring position. Eight two-out RBIs, which is a really welcome sign uh, from this offense that was not really clutched last year at all. Um, so as long as they can keep it up and uh, keep clearing the table that they so easily set pretty much every inning, it feels like every inning these guys are getting opportunities. If you can just keep that up, I think that um, you'll be able to sort of balance out when I think the starting rotation comes back down to earth. I don't think they will be at 1.29 for the entire season. Guys like Bassett and Scherzer are going to be awesome, but eventually I think we'll see cookie return to form a little bit. Maybe uh, Tyler McGill will return to form a little bit and the offense will need to step things up, but an eight run performance uh, in game three was super encouraging for me. Cause I feel like we hadn't seen that like real outburst yet of like getting every single runner in and Pete Alonso just mashing the ball when he should be. So that was awesome. Yeah, and then shout out to Nemo's power production, his yeah, man. two homers, and he and he's not doing it out of character. That's the thing. Like um, I was looking at his stats in 2018, he hit 17 homers, and a lot of them were like what he did this past series. Were, were keep your keep your at bats, do your thing at the plate, be you, and then run into a mistake or or every once in a while you're gonna sweet spot it up at the right angle. Um, it's it's a lot like what Jeff McNeil did. That same you know. He came around and he puts the bat on the ball and you're going to run into a few mistakes. Um, I think he, he obviously he's not going to hit, uh, you know, 40 home runs like we're, we're going to see from Alonso, but 1520 is not out of the, out of the realm of possibilities if he stays healthy. So I don't think so either. And I think the point you made was really good. Like Nimmo's approach didn't look different at all. Still drew a couple walks this series. Still was like putting the ball in play, trying to get on base. It's just when he finds that pitch middle of the zone and uh, you know, he can pull it to the right side, which is where his power comes from. I think that if you take advantage of those mistakes and obviously if Nimmo stays healthy, 15 to 20 is most certainly not out of the question. And when you lump that with that 400 OBP, now you start looking at a guy that like, hey, maybe he does deserve that extension, man. Maybe he does deserve to get paid because that's a really freaking good player who's playing center field, by the way, and doing a pretty good job as well. So doing a damn good job. Um, uh, shout out to Pete Alonso and his his home runs. He <laughs> he should have like five by now. Yeah, I, I feel like, say he, the same thing. you know, he, he had uh, <laughs> one in, in Washington that he just thumped off the top of the wall, like on an absolute line drive. He had a couple in Philly that ended up being like doubles in that left center gap. That's like super deep. He hit a great pitch, a, a two, two strike pitch where he went down in a way 
and he just went with it. He can hit any ball down. It's unbelievable how good he is at hitting the ball below the zone. It's just pure it's, strength, you know? It's strength and his eye-hand coordination when he's going down. I would never pitch that guy low. Like, after seeing him this much, that would be, if I were a pitching coach, my scouting report for my team is like, don't throw the ball down. Like, he's just going to he's gonna find it. Um, so, I, I like what I see from, from the offensive, like, from the lineup. Uh, we're going to need every bit of those guys to, to, to keep coming through. Yeah. And we are headed home for our first series uh, starting off on day Friday. Today. Off day today, which Thursday, off day. after a nice five and two road trip, but you know, the story last year was that these guys couldn't hit much at home, especially for power. So I'm hoping that they set a narrative early of battering around this diamondback staff. That is not impressive uh, that we know that they can hit around and, you know, go out there, win a series and set the tone because you're going to get to play the Diamondbacks seven times in your next 10 games. So why not, you know, the schedule so strange. So let's let's yeah, it's, it's wild playing a, a team that so much compact and then you're going to do it again. Silly. Very but we strange. got we've got uh, for the series opener, the home opener, the uh, Tom Seaver statue. Day fun day. Yeah. And Jackie Robinson Day all on the same kind of day. So. Um, we got Chris Bassett facing off against Zach Davies. Zach Davies, who with the Brewers, um, just a little got a big slow curveball, kind of like a. That's not fair to say. Kyle Hendricks light. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, but you know Kyle Hendricks is so good. Oh yeah. But it seems like a, like a. No, I guess that's right. Yeah, I was thinking it felt like a bad thing, but it's a good thing. Um, Davies is coming off versus the Padres. He went five, gave up two runs, four hits, only two Ks and three walks. Um, at City Field for his career, he's got 14 on the third, giving up 11 runs on 18 hits, six walks and 10 Ks. So he's got a high whip, a high against us, but he's also a little bit more of a seasoned pitcher now. He's going to gonna dice, you know, going to throw a lot of pitches, going to mix speeds. Um but this is the type of pitcher that the, our lineup full of really quality guys should be able to, to take advantage of. Um, Nimmo leading things off is three for six versus him in his career. And this is uh, Chris Bastet's home opener, man. This is, uh, this is the big one for the Mets fans. They're going to be out. It's going to be electric. It's going to be really fun. There's history with Seaver and Jackie Robinson, but there's also excitement for the future in the present, like it's going to be fun. Yeah. I think um, one, it's a Friday one o'clock game. That's probably going to be sold out. That's going to be awesome. Just to, okay. like, I, I won't be there. I'm a little jealous, but I'll be watching on TV. Really excited for it. Um, Zach Davies. I kind of think is a dream matchup for this lineup that we've seen table set in all of these seven games and just draw a ton of walks. Cause that's kind of Zach Davies kryptonite is, you know, like you said, he likes to throw a lot of pitches he likes to nibble and, and mix speeds and get you to chase and, and keep you off balance. So it does. I mean, it matches up well for us. So like when you lump in Canna's seven walks and Eduardo Escobar's eight walks, uh, I think that these Mets hitters are probably gonna have a fun time. Just, you know, having good plate discipline and taking good at bats against Davies. Bassett will be Bassett. This Diamondbacks lineup is not very impressive. They have a couple of heavy hitters in there, but that's about it. I think he should be totally fine. Game two, Cookie Carrasco takes the bump. He was very impressive in his start against the Nationals. He sort of gets another easy lineup here in the Diamondbacks. He takes on Zach Gallen. 
who's making his first start of the year. Gallon's been pretty okay at City Field. 12 innings pitch, four and runs, nine hits, six walks, 14 strikeouts. He's a pretty good pitcher, but he'll probably be on a tight pitch count because they're probably easing him in uh, to his workload. He missed a bit of spring as well. Um, he has kind of owned Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil. They're combined two for 16 against him. And uh, no D-backs hitter has ever faced Cookie Carrasco. So a little element of a uh, new shock there, I guess. That's wild. Say. Yeah, the never. Because he's been around forever. There's so much interleague play now nowadays. That's crazy. Um, I do want to say that Zach Allen, his numbers aren't great, but he's the kind of pitcher that could carve us up. And Aaron Nola type with a big, great curveball. Um, got a good fastball. He's a good, good quality pitcher should be kind of Wheeler pitch count because this is his first start. Um, so that'll be a fun one, man. I, I hope to see cookie because I, I to me, he looked midseason form last start. I really thought he looked good. Um, uh, body wise stuff wise, it looked there. Um, so that's exciting. And then game three, you got David Peterson looks at, you know, they haven't made the announcement yet. I don't think it's going to be him though. Yeah, it's got to be him. It's I don't think be they him. officially said it, but it's David Peterson in line to to take over for Taiwan. Um, he'll be on a pitch count too because he hasn't built up. He only threw four innings against Philly. Yeah, but there were four great innings. He might be fully ready because he's he was built up in the spring. He's so valuable to them as a starter. They're gonna they're gonna take it easy with him because it gets a lot thinner once once he's out of the picture. You know, we move down the line a little bit, and so we're gonna take care of him. And Tampa hasn't, or Tampa, Arizona hasn't announced uh, a starter yet to face off against Peterson in, in game three. Um, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, on their uh, roster resource on fangrass.com, it's supposed to be Caleb Smith, who's a lefty. He's pretty decent. He good, came over from picture. Miami. Not bad there. Um, so it should be him. I'm not sure what the deal is there. I don't follow a lot of Diamondbacks baseball. One thing I do want to note is that uh, lingering in this Diamondbacks bullpen is our old friend, 40-year-old Oliver Perez, who is chief lefty in the bullpen apparently this year for them. He's gotten some big outs so far, so good for Ollie. He sure has. Uh, he came back. He was going to retire and go play in Mexico. Um, and then the CBA came together and they announced it. And he was like, let's do this. Uh, this will be his last season. I think that's came out and said 40 years old. He's going to turn 41 this year. It's yeah, wild good for him. Absolutely wild. It's like him and Pujols, Rich Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the, the, the well, who three. knows? Rich Hill's going to pitch till he's 50. I think <laughs> he's going to try. But you got Wainwright, like the guys that are 40 plus. It's very limited, man. So good for Alva Perez. Uh, the Mets fans, understandably, aren't the, he isn't their favorite pitcher because of his struggles as a starter. But good for him to be able to reinvent himself and really carve out basically a second career. Yeah, man. Uh, and kill it. Um, this is a team we should beat up on. This is a team that, 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 you know, we're facing them now in the beginning of the season where they still have these, you know, hopes and dreams, but this is a, this is a team built like the Mets that should squash those hopes and dreams of them, you know, doing this great Cinderella story uh, of winning this world series. The, the, the talent, it just doesn't line up. We should, we should crush them in a three game series. Again, they've got some really good players. They've got Zach Allen is a really good starter. Zach Davies is a solid back end of the rotation guy Caleb Smith is a lefty like they they've got some pieces um but we should crush them yeah I mean Davies only went five innings last time Zach Allen will be on a tight pitch count I have no idea what's going on with Caleb Smith this is a bullpen that you gotta you gotta hit I mean I there's not a lot of names here we have Mark Melanson at the back and then after that it's like 
Ian Kennedy, Oliver Perez, uh, a couple of guys that you might've never heard of. This is, I mean, this, these are the guys you're going to get early and the Mets, the one thing that I will say about their series win against Philly is that they really didn't hit the bullpen. Well, at least until the last game, they got shut up by a guy, guys that should not be shutting out this Mets offense. So they need to show up and act like, you know, they're the new Mets. They're the new 2022 Mets and a team like the diamondbacks can't step up. Um, I'll take a serious win. I would absolutely love a sweep. Not going to lie. Yeah. You'd, you'd love a sweep of course. Um, but the, the goal is to win a series and we've done that two of two times. This is a team that we should, we should win a series from. I mean, this is how it goes. I don't think we're going to get Bumgarner. No, I don't um, think so. And he looked good though. He's he looks solid. Um, he looks like he had like him a little bit of himself. Um, but they're they've got David Peralta who's killed us kind of in the past. I feel like he got me once on a really good pitch. But these guys are. They're big leaguers, but we should we should get them. So I'm excited for the series, the home opener. I want to see City Field, you know, pumping electric. It'll Hell be yeah. fun, man. It's a weird one o'clock game on a Friday, um, but it'll be everybody will be excited coming out. It's a holiday. It's home opener. It's Tom Seaver Day. It's Jackie Robinson Day. Um, so let's go Mets, man. Let's go Mets, man. Yeah, guys, if you're not hype already, I hope you are. And I hope that if you're in the New York area, try and make it out to a game this weekend. All three of them are day games. All three of them were favored in. So I feel like go to the ballpark, get your first dog of the year. Go see a win. Why not? Go have fun. Go explore City Field. Tell me about the, the food they've got there. There's some new features, apparently, and new LED screens, new areas, an expanded Shake Shack. It's like kind of a new City Field, man. It's wild. If you can't, if you, I'll be there opening day. I'll, the, the next two days, I'll be in studio and in, in, um, for SNY. But uh, come say hi, man. I'll be, we'll be out at the desk. I think um, it's me. Terry Collins, Todd Zeal, and Gary Apple. So we'll we'll be in full force out there. The crew. And if you guys take a picture with Jerry, you should tag Shea Station. I'm just Absolutely, saying. Absolutely, man. I'm just saying. All right, man. You got anything else here? No, for Jerry and Jolly, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Shea Station. We will see you guys on Monday to recap, hopefully, what is a series. Whoa.